Anyang Aseo, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists, discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite boonies. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Hello there. Good, eve- good evening. <laughs> good And welcome to the podcast. Okay, so I have a short story, which Amy and Leah kind of already know about this because I mentioned it in our Slack channel. And it's obviously K-drama related. So I finished watching I Am Not a Robot, which we are going to be doing a deep dive on because I absolutely loved it and I need to talk about it ASAP. And there was one point where, uh, so I'm sitting up in our bedroom. I was crying so hard. Like, I I think I actually verbally said, this is so painful. So my husband comes up the stairs because he thought someone died. And I was like, no, I'm I'm fine. And he's like, oh my gosh, are you seriously crying over those K-dramas again? I'm like, it's so good. And so he was like, I'm leaving. I'm no one since no one's dying, I'm leaving. So he walks downstairs and he stepped on, I said before on the podcast, we're doing like work to our home because we're getting ready to sell it. And he stepped on this like metal, like a mud pan thing. And I hear like a crash and I hear him swear and I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, uh uh, Megan, can you come down? I need some help. And I was like, sure. Meanwhile, I'm still crying for I am not a robot. Like, I'm still bawling, like, tears streaming down my face. And I follow the blood trail that he had left the whole way down to the bathroom downstairs. And it turns out he has, like, a gigantic hole in his foot. I think I talked to this podcast, too, where he had, like, a crowbar in his shin. Well, now he has a hole in his foot. But I'm trying to bandage him up, and I'm still sobbing. Like, I'm not over that scene yet. Like, I couldn't even see through my swollen eyes. And he's, like, bleeding and laughing at me as I'm... Like, <laughs> like sobbing while bandaging his foot. And that is what K-dramas do to me. I swear to God, it's like a three-ring circus in this house. But anyway, thank you. I am not a robot for just ruining my night, but then, <laughs> but then making it better. I was going to say, it sounds like when there is a car accident in a K-drama and there's a ton of blood loss. Oh. Like, did, did your husband have like buckets, like buckets of skull <laughs> no. blood coming from his no foot? Okay. Skull blood. But he okay. did get blood on our brand new carpet that we just got installed. Oh, God. And I was like, <laughs> so then that night I was like on my hands and knees, still crying from my trauma, trying to rub <laughs> blood out of the carpet. It was just ridiculous. So it was a bad bandage job. I did a terrible job tending to my wounded hero. I will say that. Not sexy wounded it hero not situation. Sexy. No. Get a hole in his foot. <laughs> Poor Neil here. I feel like every episode is like Neil getting like <laughs> leaving more parts of his DNA in your house. Yes, I, I'm surprised he hasn't like lost an actual limb at this stage. Don't don't knock on wood. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Next okay. story. We don't want it to be about Neil. <laughs> Just because yeah, we, okay. we, right? we want him to be safe. No. We want him to be safe. That's all. Poor buddy. Okay. Well, we have a heck of a drama to get through today. So <laughs> let's snap to it. Shall we? Let's do it. Yay, mama. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everyone else would get on that with me. Come, oh, I guess yeah, no, well, not because nobody else even. I'm not even. Gonna, no! It doesn't say it's an ensemble intro. <laughs> I wasn't going to do the ensemble. I was just trying to like give us some team spirit, and you're all like, "Meh." Okay, I'm just I'm introing it. Screw There's going to be drama on the podcast about today's drama, everybody. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to our hell. <laughs> Yay, mama. This week, we've got a dude bro head chef trapped in the body of a Joseon era queen trapped in a loveless marriage. Add in a two-faced king, the saddest sad cousin in sad town, 
scheming royals everywhere and a whole lot of palanquins because nobles can't walk anywhere ever. And what do we have? Mr. Queen, a super polarizing drama for us here at Afternoon of Delight. I went all in on this drama with a solid five out of five rating. And then we have Megan and Amy with us today who are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I still can't say this word, but did any of you know what the word palanquin was before this episode? And would you like to write in one? I didn't know the name of it. So no, I did not know the word. And I absolutely positively would not want to ride in one. I would have tremendous guilt about people carrying me around. I would like, no, like I just, yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't let people carry me around. It's just a hard no for me. So I I mean, I knew of the word, but I think it was mostly because of like my Greek Roman obsession. That is one historical period that I will kind of watch any media on, but I would never want to ride in one. It makes me uncomfortable for people to do like that type of, I don't know, that whole like servant thing is really uncomfortable. And my husband actually has like, it's one of the things I learned about him when we first met. He is like an allergy to people helping him. He like avoids bellhops like they are cobras. Like he doesn't like people doing any for, anything for him that he can do himself, which can be frustrating sometimes for me because he wants to do everything himself. But I get it. It's just, he's like, no, I can carry my own luggage. And it's not because he doesn't want to tip. I promise. (laughs) So, yeah, I always called it like a litter, I guess. That's a word, right? That It is a a litter. litter. Yes. Okay. Palanquin is... Palanquin. Palanquin. Palanquin is an extra. It just feels extra. And it's extra like this mode of transportation. I'm team Neil on this one. I get really uncomfortable with bellhops too. And then I get really uncomfortable because then I stress that like if I do it myself, I'm depriving them of tips and their job duties. And the whole thing just is incredibly conflicting for me and I hate it. But I cannot think of a mode of transportation that would suit me less than a palanquin. I think all of you have now been to conferences with me. And like first, I don't even like sitting in the back of an Uber if I'm alone. And I also just like make random small talk with any driver I have or like, you know, be it Uber, Lyft, taxis, like, I'm just not good at like, having people do the thing I have to like, you know, be friendly, real friendly. So I'd be like hanging out the plank when being like, so tell me about whatever. And I'm sure that they'd be like, shut up, lady, we're carrying your heavy ass and like need to focus on our footing. Going into this drama, were you a fan of historicals? Why or why not? So historicals are not my first choice, and I will fully admit that. But I have nothing against historicals, contrary to this leading question that was not written by me. (laughs) (laughs) I am a fan of romance. So any story, historical, contemporary, fantasy, etc., that has a great romance at its core, I'm 100% a fan of that. Mr. Queen, however, did not have a great romance (laughs) at its core. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a fa- I'm not a fan of historicals usually. I really have to be in the mood for them. I rarely want to read them. I will say that. And one of the main problems is I, I think it's like the language. I don't love to read. I don't know how to explain it. Like the dialogue and there's always a lot of titles and all that stuff just that's just me being me. I mean, I fully admit that I think that that's ridiculous that I'm that way, but I am. But I will tell you, and and I obviously already said this, any Greek Roman historicals, I will watch any of that type, like, till the cows come home. Like, I've seen Gladiator, I can't even tell you how many times. So, and I love medieval times too, but so I I think I just, I'm kind of selective about my historicals. Because there's probably not going to be a lot of Greek and Roman Korean historicals. Exactly. So that's why (laughs) 
that's why I'm I'm a little like shit out of luck when it comes to that. (laughs) So a random fun fact aside is that like, you know, when I was younger and had like, you know, some people have like, you know, fantasy boy band crushes or whatever. I had a whole obsession with Octavian Augustus Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like Who doesn't? Yeah, like I wasn't sure, and so I would fanfic, and I mean, before I knew what fanfic was, I was in like sixth grade. I would write stories about myself, like going back in time and like meeting up with him, and like it was a whole thing. Like I was like at night, that was like my go-to like bedtime fantasy. Was like, like Mark Antony and Cleopatra. I have romanticized that. Like historically, there's like a lot to it, but that's probably not actually a romance. But for me. Uh-uh, that's like a love story. I wanted to like be Cleopatra. I named my first cat Cleo. I was obsessed. So So my yeah. my guy basically killed your pseudo self fantasy then. Like Exactly. Well, I go. mean I like Caesar too, but Mark Antony and Cleopatra was like my end all be all. Like I was obsessed with them. Well, fun fact. I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong freaking podcast. <laughs> you are. <laughs> they, they, screw, screw Die Hard. I'm all in on Octavian Caesar Augustus. So I love historicals. Really don't understand why neither of you love them as much as me or even love them at all. I feel like I was introduced to the entire romance genre through historicals. The first book I ever wrote, which sucks and is gathering dust, waiting for me to someday like try to fix it, is a historical. I love costume dramas. BBC Jane Eyre. Yes, it's problematic. It's cracked me on every level. I would honestly be happy to watch a ton of Korean historicals, except I'm in this podcast with the two of you. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to ignore all jabs about romance that Amy said because I'm not petty. So going into this drama, were you a fan of body swaps? Why or why not? I think I'm indifferent to body swaps. Like I never sat down and thought to myself, do I like body swaps until this question came up? (laughs) I'm probably the only one on the podcast who enjoyed the movie Freaky Friday. I didn't love it, but like I saw it with my kids and it was fine. But other than that movie, I don't think I've seen a body swap movie since like maybe the 80s when those were kind of big. Oh, big. That's kind of a body swap, isn't it? It is. Um, (laughs) That was a good one. That's different. That's not a, that's not exactly a swap, but I, but I like that one. I don't count face off because that was an intentional face swap not an accidental body swap and boom just brought nick cage back into the podcast (laughs) thank you amy you're my favorite now (laughs) for this episode because i also don't consider that a body swap so i know i sound so negative because i was like i don't really do historicals i don't really do body swaps but (laughs) (laughs) so really you were just like mr queen tick tick well yeah but the thing is I did enjoy Mr. Queen and I thought it was like of extremely well-written drama. So, but it was never, it's never a drama I would have chosen on my own. Like a hundred percent never would have chosen it. But that's one of the reasons I do like this podcast because I'm, I like that I was kind of forced outside of my comfort zone to watch it just like Leah was with zombies. So for me, I can't think of any point in my life where I've wanted to watch a body swap premise. I think actually it would probably make me not want to watch the show. And I don't know why, but Mr. Queen just caught my eye like a mirage in the desert and I stumbled toward it and have no regrets. So who knows, maybe I love body swapping and I just didn't realize that. And I do want to remind you all that I wrote a scene in a book that Amy and I co-wrote together for Harlequin, where the villain literally pulled his face off. (laughs) And 
This did happen. This did happen. And and Leah's the one who did it, not me. So yeah. I, I was kind of punking Amy. And at that point, she like was. the rails were off the book anyway. So I was like, yeah, that villain's totally pulling his face off. So, you know, shout out to Nick Cave or Nick Cave. No, sorry, Nick Cave, who is awesome. Nicholas Cage, who is very much not awesome. Okay. So one other fun fact nobody wanted to know about. Last night I was plotting a book idea on my couch. My kids were watching a show in my bedroom and I could hear it like coming through like, you know, the open door. And I was like, oh, thank God they're not asking me to watch whatever crap thing this is. And it turned out to be Crudes 2. And Amy texted me around that time and I shared that sentiment. And she's like, oh, Nicolas Cage is in that. <laughs> I had no idea Nicolas Cage was in this cartoon and I still disliked it. So oh my I God, I love the Crudes. So do I. I love the Crudes too. The the oh my God, I could just hear it. And I was like, I hate this stupid thing. Oh so. my God. <laughs> I freaking love the crudes. Before we get into the great romance debate, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single afternoon of delight episode. And while you're at it, why not leave us? Why not leave us? <laughs> oh my leave God. us a review. <laughs> That's like half Southern, half Australian. I don't know what just happened there. It's a quick and easy way to help us with discoverability. And lastly, do make sure to follow us on Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast. You'll get all the show ratings that don't make it onto the pod, book recs, behind the scenes fun, and shameless fangirling. And if you want to leave us a message about anything you heard on the show, email us at afternoonadelightpodcast at gmail.com. Now the great debate shall begin. <laughs> yes, Mr. Queen is a romance or no, Mr. Queen is in no way a romance. Leah, go home. You're drunk. Leah, I'm sorry. Go home. You're drunk. No, honestly, I really wanted it to be a romance. I truly did. I waited for the romance feels to kick in because they did for Leah. And so I wanted to get there. But I'm going to say no, it wasn't a romance for me. Bong Juan fought his feelings for the king the whole way and continued to try to get with Hua Jin, the king's concubine, until almost the end as well. Plus, Bong Hwan did not inhabit Kim So-young's body alone. She was there with him the whole time. So this wasn't a true body swap, but instead sort of a body share. And since we find out that So-young always wanted the king to love her, I think her feelings mixed with Bong Hwan's feelings. This was not Bong Hwan falling for the king, but instead Bong Hwan's emotions getting entangled with So-young's. And I think at the end, Bong Bong Juan loved them both, which is why he ran to the bookstore after he emerged from his coma back in you know present time to check the history records and make sure that Cholzhong and Soyoung survived. I believe his tears at the end were happiness for the couple living a long life rich with love, but I never once felt that Bong Juan himself fell for the king or vice versa. I think the king fell for the parts of Bong Juan's personality that made Soyoung more brash, but again, she was still there. So it wasn't just Bong Wan making choices. And even after Bong Wan was gone, So Young kept some of his traits as her own, which to me meant those tendencies were latent within her personality all the time. So this was a great palace intrigue story, but it was not a romance. I do think Bong Wan grew to love the king and queen, but I don't think he was in love at any point. And the root of the story for me was palace intrigue. The king and queen relationship was complicated and interesting, but not a romance when Bong Wan was the one who is inhabiting her. That was a thesis, Amy. Like, I feel like... <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I feel like I just sat through a doctorate. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you echoed a lot of my feelings. I do feel like you're way more eloquent with facts like i kind of just like went <laughs> i am backing my shit Does up that, okay 
like, I was and just I'm like, just playing banjo on my porch. Like, I, what? I guess I'm just kind of like, I didn't feel it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, nothing hey. for me. And well, then it didn't. Thanks it's for your contribution. Case closed on Megan. Megan, no hard flutters. I didn't feel it. And uh, but anyway, so yeah, I guess uh, uh, like the ending scene, I think, is what solidified it for me when Bong Juan races to the bookstore to look up the history, and he's like crying happy tears. Like he's happy. He's happy that the king and queen lived. And like, I get it. I did think he could still be happy and then maybe still be in love with the king, but I never felt. And I also think like you can have love for someone, but it not be like a romance. Like I I actually did feel like he was. See, this is what's so confusing about this drama and that this is why I feel like it's hard for me to say this was a romance. Boom, boom, boom. And maybe that's me being like somewhat like small minded or something or maybe I I needed it to have the traditional romance beats. I don't know, but the fact that he was almost two people in one body is yeah. very confusing for me. And it has nothing to do with gender. It was the fact that he was literally two people in a body. And exactly. so yeah. who like who's loving who? You know what I mean? I'm not saying that there wasn't a romance I feel like I don't want to say this is not a romance because that's not really what I mean. I, I guess I more mean I don't think, well, first of all, I don't think the romance was like the defining. It wasn't the story. The it romance wasn't the, wasn't the story. Right. It wasn't the story. The body swap was the story. The body swap and the palace intrigue was the story. And, you know, so for me, I never, I, and I never got, I felt like the king and queen were like a great team. Like I loved when they, like I loved when she, you know, stood up to, I'm just going to call him sad cousin, but wait, what's his name? Byung Byung-in. Byung-in, played by Na In-woo, who is my like everything. When she stood up to him in that scene like outside the palace when she's like dressed in her like, I call it her like rebel gear or whatever. And she tells him that she's going to go like find the king or save the king or or whatever. And But I really still didn't feel like love feelings. I felt like she deeply or he, Bong Wan, them. I, that's another thing. Like, I don't even know how to say this. Like, they okay. cared about him. Anyway, I know. I feel like I'm rambling, but that's the problem. Like, I didn't feel like there was a romance with, like, a satisfying and well there was a satisfying ending but like an ending that i felt like wrapped up the romance i don't know see i don't say things as eloquent as amy with facts i'm just like look i didn't freaking feel it okay <laughs> okay well thank you megan for that here comes, <laughs> here comes the true here comes oh the true God. thesis here comes the is defending her thesis so, right now i watched an entirely different drama to the two of you. And I'm fine if the romance didn't work for you, but the fact that you don't think there was a romance or that Bong Wan didn't love the king, I just can't compute it. Like it's literally the show. So here's my argument. Mr. Queen is both a romance and a love story and it's complicated. So I wanted to find some differences. In terms of romance, there is like an HEA in a traditional romance. In terms of a love story, characters can fall in love, but that doesn't mean they end up together. Again, I think it is both. So I saw in a blog somewhere, Megan, this might help you out a little bit, that somebody with like was doing some work on like how to like describe the pronouns for Bong Wan during the swap because that's that can trip us up, right? So right. I'm going to use he when I'm talking about Bong Wan, she when I'm talking about So Young, and then So Bong, which is going to be the blend of them together or they. 
So but that's keep... so hard because when are they blended? Like they're blended the whole time. That's almost what I blended think. the whole time. So like, how can you yeah. even almost separate them? I'm going to keep talking, but okay. thank you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. If you want to keep just rambling questions, you can, or you can listen to the trip. Okay. okay. <laughs> so my assertion is that by the end, So Bong was in love with the king, but only So Young got the romantic HEA because Bong Wan ends up back in the modern world where he ultimately belongs. But I think it's bitter sweet for him. I don't think they were just pure happy tears of joy. I think it was bittersweet. I think that he was happy that they like made it and thrived, but he was super sad to be like cut out at that like very jarring ending. And I also felt like it was bittersweet in the end for Chil Jong because he ultimately loved So Bong, but in the end only gets So Young. So through the course of the drama, we see Bong Hwan swap into So Young's body, resist that very much. It was hilarious watching like all the different things that he does trying to like get out of the body. He struggles to escape by hurling himself into any body of water that he sees. But throughout the drama, we see that he becomes eventually kind of more of the So Bong. He loses his internal voice. Her internal voice takes over, but he also gains her memories. And so I feel like that is kind of like how they start to like, like try to show like, because it's complicated and it's a show and they're trying to like figure out how to do it. And so I felt like that was like a pretty successful way to like create this kind of like so bong. And I feel like they begin to accept their new life as like the chef slash queen. They fall in love with Chilgong and become a true ruler by his side, joining him in rooting out corruption in the court and forming deep and meaningful relationships with the people who work in the palace. So I think it's jarring that So Young is the one who gets the full HEA because they only partially earned it. But also it's not like Bong Hwan's body could have lived forever in this like vegetative state in the modern world and like had that be very satisfying. I do think that So Young could have stood to have more agency, but I don't think she was just like a vessel whose memories were hacked into by Bong Hwan. Sometimes I think she did take over, especially more early on with her feelings towards the king, but it was Bong Hwan's personality which drew the king in. But I do think that by like the last sexy time in like the rebel camp before they invaded the palace, I really think it was like a true merging of So Bong and and the king was basically boning both of them. And I was okay with that. So to me, by the end, I was convinced that like this was a womanizing modern man who developed real feelings for Joseon King and was truly touched by like the entire experience. And to me, it felt very much like a soulmate story. Like I wouldn't classify it as like a boy love or like a gay romance, but it felt very much like a soulmate story that kind of moved beyond like the realms of gender. And like at the end, honestly, like when Bong So buttons the king's jacket right before they get shot, like that was just like a gesture of love. That wasn't like a bro thing. Like that was pure love. Literally, like that literally was it. It was love. So I love everything that you're saying. I really do. I love and I respect everything that you're saying. And I think the problem for me is the same thing that Megan is feeling is with the buttoning of the jacket at the end. In my head, I'm still thinking, yes, but whose intent is that? Who is really doing it? Because at that point, so young is emerging like her consciousness is emerging, right? And they are, and they are merged. And so I guess for me, I couldn't ever truly see it as Bong Wan falling for the king because So Young's feelings for the king were already there. Like she loved the king and wanted the king to love her back before Bong Wan ever got there. And so that's what made it hard for me to see Bong Wan actually having romantic feelings for the king because I wasn't sure whose feelings those were. And in the back of my head, I, I've also got this thing that he's 
always hoping that he gets himself out of this situation. Like he resigned himself to live in the palace and deal with what's going on while he's there, but he's always wondering, hoping that he's going to get back to his life as well. I think the second the second half of that show, that definitely was nowhere near the focus of the show. So I do disagree. Like I think there was like an acceptance that happened and we got out of like that trying to always get back and hoping to get back. And then not one, trying, yeah. But he in wasn't the end, actively not wanting to go back. Like when he's di- like, you know, when he's shot, like he doesn't want to go back. At that it was point. a jarring moment. I totally agree with that. He didn't want to go back yet. Like he even said, like, not yet, not yet. Like, but I still think he was okay being back and being himself and happy for them that they had a long and fruitful life together. Okay. So and I, I guess I just, I had a hard time. This is just a really, it's really hard for me because I don't, I, I kind of don't want to say it's not a romance I, I because I do believe that there was a love. St- I, I think I want to take the word love romance. story. Yeah. I do believe that there was a love story, but I personally didn't necessarily feel the love as much as I would have wanted to. And I know that you didn't care about this, but the fact that he wanted to get with the concubine through episode 12, like I was like, I'm okay. Like I'm done. He's still like, trying to get in hot tubs with them like he's still I was kind of I like I feel like you put too much like I feel like it was yes at the beginning but then later like I feel like there's so many times where like and this is what felt like interesting to me was that like I felt like he knew that that was like his identity and he's still trying to cling to like whatever remnants of like his identity he had in this case being kind of like this like fuck boy bad boy chef but see I didn't feel that way I felt like he seriously was really excited no. about the I like, felt he like, was, like he really was but I felt like it like I think over time to me that like shifted to more of like clutching at like what you're I I get I get what you're saying but I didn't feel that like when he was like pushed to pick out the concubines he was like really excited about it and again this was like really kind of getting late in the drama and I was like what is going on and that really uh, that did like strike a chord with me because he was still like joking about it he was still like having fun like and he was still fantasizing about yeah being in like the whatever Josie and era hot tub is called right and then the fact that so after he kisses the king and maybe this was like an act maybe it was like I really did think the actress played a great job but maybe maybe there was a nuance there that I didn't pick up on because I really felt like when she realized that she kissed the king she she was truly disgusted or Bong Wan was truly disgusted. And that was really hard for me as well because I didn't feel like there that was, was any- bon- that was boning the king, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yeah. So she, he, he, he thought it was, thought was it was drunk. the concubine. He thought it was he thought he it was Wajin. Right. He thought it was Wajin. And, and that was like so so the first time that he yeah, bones the king, first of all, he thinks it's the concubine. Second of all, he wakes up and he's like literally sick to his stomach. Again, maybe there was an actress nuance there that I didn't pick up on, but I didn't feel like there was a thought process to work through. I felt like he was just really grossed out. Oh my god never doing this again like maybe there was too much of a joking tone during those scenes still and i will say that's one thing about this drama that started to irk me a little bit i actually started to like feel like the drama had been going on for a really long time and he was still i didn't feel growth and i think that was another thing that did start to like wear on me again i i expected maybe some sort of like introspective thought of okay so I had sex with the king. I thought it was the concubine at first, but did I really? But there was there was none of that. There was none of that written in where like Bong Wan really like thought about it. He just like ran outside and was like heaving. And I'm like, well, 
that's not a love story. <laughs> like, yeah, I see. Again, I didn't take it that way. I felt like it was like how he was trying. Like, I mean, obviously he wasn't. I mean, like, there's a pretty big. Difference. Like, I don't think he really thought he was actually like hooking up with the concubine truly. And then, like, like do you, but like, do you just want to think that? Like, were there? No, I mean, then the next morning, like when he's first laying in bed, like, and they're all wrapped up in each other. Like again, no. And then, yeah, I mean, like, anyway, I think yes, it's vague enough that we can have this debate. But I don't think either of us are going to pull out the smoking gun that's going to be like, no. we have like convinced the other. So no, no, moving no, on, what do you wish that Mr. Queen had done differently? Or what do you think it got exactly right? I don't think I would change a thing. I think the only thing that threw me is because I went in expecting romance under a certain definition of romance, kind of like what Megan was talking about with the building of the romance, the romance beats and the happily ever after for a defined couple. And I think this was just too complicated to call it that. So for me, if it would have just been billed as a body swap palace intrigue that brings fun anachronism to the story in the way of a modern man stuck in the body of a Josian queen, then I would have gotten what I expected. Instead, I kept waiting for a romance that I didn't get. And that was the only thing that kind of, I'm not even going to say ruin it because it didn't ruin it. I just went in with expectations that weren't fulfilled. And I think if it had been described a different way, and I don't mean by Yulia, I mean like just how it's built like on like, you know, IMDb and in Asian Wiki and stuff like that, like the way that it's built online as being a romance. I think if it wasn't, I would have gone in with different expectations and would have been very pleased. You know what? I got to be honest. How cool would it have been if it was a romance between Bong Wan as the queen and Hua Jin, the concubine? I would have been all freaking in. How cool would that have been? Yeah, I guess that was my thing. I just never felt yeah. that was I think that was the, the the start of it. And I will say, too, there was so much grand dowager queen oh my god i was so over her by the end like way too many scenes just with her sitting there eating and getting her face massaged i was like okay <laughs> like let's, <laughs> you know what i mean like it was just a little too much of her so for me i thought that the end felt like a bit of an unforced error so i didn't like hate the ending and it didn't like enrage me like the coffee prince's final episode but i felt like it was more on that spectrum what i really wished was that we had a final episode to stick the landing for what i'm describing as both the romance and the love story so if i could have it my way and be like ruler of the world and like wave my magic wand i'd like to have seen us get some more time with like so young recalibrating back into like having like the full control and having that agency in her body and connecting more with the king and i really would have liked to have seen more of like Bong Juan in like modern day soul and kind of like what that experience had like taught him and like how it had transformed him and ideally honestly I would have really loved him to meet the king's reincarnation because I shipped that all the way you know I really I actually really like that I think I would have also really loved to see more of so young as so young in her body just her with the king I think I would have really really loved that so any final thoughts on the main couple that you need to get off your chest I'm glad that So Young and Chol Jong led a long and happy life and ruled well. And is that who we mean by the main couple? See, that's my problem with this is I don't know who we're talking about because I don't count Bong Hwan in there because he's not for the long, you know, for the long term, it wasn't him. So that's what's so hard for me. I'm happy that they were in love and they stayed married and they ruled well and that they're remembered well in the history books. And so that that worked for me. The main couple is me and Sad Cousin. And we are doing <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> That's who the main couple is. <laughs> 
So again, five out of five for me. I like the intrigue. I like the ensemble. I like the love story. I kind of feel like maybe neither of you tried to enjoy it because you were fresh off your post healer, like whatever, and you got really bratty about it. And so, I mean, going back in time, I I remember what I remember. And it was all like, ah, healer was so good. This is making me mad. Ah, it's not a love story. So, and you talked just like that too. We did. So we did. the Queen's Dictionary was genius. The anti-fan was genius. The no touchy was genius. The two lead actors had such good chemistry from their first kiss. I was on the train. I loved how the first kiss like tied the king all up in these knots. Even while like Bong wasn't there, it felt like a turning point. And at no point does Bong Wan ever regard the king as like his buddy or his bro. I felt like really they're like these like mutual anti-fans. They realize that they're soulmates in a total awesome slow burn kind of way. So again, I'm team Bong So and the King, but that was never going to work. So I still prefer, I guess, my ending because... Well, maybe we should have started like these questions at the end because I feel like this made... Amy and I sound like negative about the drama because I actually really loved it. Like for a palace intrigue, I gave it five out of five because it was written to me like to a T. And I was also very, very into it in the beginning. Like, honestly, the first time she did like man spreading in her skirts, I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And it was it was only like the love story part that let me down. And again, maybe too much Queen Dowager, but I love so much about it. Well, that's why I put this at the front, actually, because I was like, let's get the negative arguing out of the way so we can unite on all the things that we love. Right, because there was a lot I love. And we're going to get there. Except there's, we're obviously not friends anymore because Leah hates us. So this is our last podcast, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know you. I just feel sad that you don't have the love in your heart. So anyway, I want to share some listener feedback. We asked folks to weigh in and three of you did. So thank you very much. And I just thought that if it's okay with Amy and Megan, I'm going to share some thoughts because we have listeners who have differing opinions where they're bringing up things we haven't touched on or agreeing with both of us in different ways. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So we have first Angel Aquino. Thank you very much. She contacted us on Instagram and said that, you know, she didn't like how Chol Jong treated Hua Jin. And that was her major issue with the drama. She felt like he was borderline cheating. He claimed to love Hua Jin. But after she became the official concubine, he started falling for the queen and kind of just ghosted on Hua Jin and discarded her, which is true. (laughs) Which he Um, did. Yeah, that's fair. She also felt like Hua Jin was being used to further other people's storylines without any anything really happening to her. I feel like she had a bit more of an arc than that, but I do really like, I mean, that's a fair observation in my opinion. And so she said, even if she liked the King and the Queen's banter and storyline, she couldn't really fully enjoy it because of that fact. And she's also not a huge fan of historical dramas. The political stuff bores her. So maybe that also had something to do with it, which honestly I felt like was relatable for at least what part of what you were sharing, Megan. Yeah. I mean, there were so many times where he was just like in his palace, like yelling at all the people in hats. I mean, that's, that's, see, this is why I don't watch historicals. And I was like, you know, he's just yelling about, I don't even know what he was yelling about. I was just, you know. All right. (laughs) Thanks again for that. So (laughs) very insightful. Thank you. He was yelling. Why am I here? No, we love you and it's valuable. Thank you. So now we have absolute underscore mommy on Instagram who sent us a great email and said, had to put in my request that you crown Mr. Queen of Romance. This has become one of my favorite dramas of all time because of the love story that develops between King Chol Jung and Kim So Young. 
So first, let's talk about the fact that the king wasn't really into So Young. He was marrying her because it was arranged. The So Young before the accident was upset because he didn't love her like she felt he should, even though she had caught some feelings for Byung In. Because who can't catch feelings for Byung In? Right? <laughs> so, you know, from the beginning, this was a doomed slash tragic love, which is my favorite kind of love. Secondly, I can't get over the fact that as the story progresses, the king cannot help himself and has this attraction to So Young, Bong Hwan. He needs to understand them better and go so far as to create a dictionary to understand his queen. Third, the queen goes out of her way to save his banquet, creating drinks and food to appease the crowd, even though they tried to stop the celebration. And she does this with pride and purpose and, dare I say, love. Fourth, when the queen thinks that the king has died, she finds the letter he has written to their unborn children. Stop it. Stop. Oh my God, it's like Megan. <laughs> stop it. Stop. <laughs> I cried so hard it was ridiculous. Then realizing that he's not dead, she goes out to bring him home and almost dies in the process. Love. Thinks she loses Lady Choi, but does it anyway. Love. Then when she finally reunites with him in the woods, her gut-wrenching cries when she tells him that the kingdom was so dark without him. Uh, I'm thinking that is love, y'all. <laughs> finally, this did it for me for days. When So Young gets shot and then Chiol Jong gets shot and they're in the courtyard and the brother and cousin come and tell him, King, you have to save yourself. And he tries to refuse to leave his queen. And what does So Young do? She buttons his robe. The music starts and she buttons his robe. She tells him to go and he wraps a scarf around his neck and love. I know that as these events happen, Bang Huan begins to lose his consciousness. And so So Young is still so young at this point, and that those two eventually fall madly in love. But get me a man who creates a dictionary to understand me any damn day. LOL. So I love the dictionary. I freaking love that. Like that was amazing and super romantic. And I loved every bit of that. So thank you for that. I thought that was good insight, Megan. Appreciate that. And the robe, God, the robe, buttoning the robe just really just wrecked me. So I felt like that was an act of love as well. And then lastly, the last email that we got was from Corinne and Ayani. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Ayani, the co-hosts of Sex, Love, and Literature podcasts. We follow each other on Instagram. So they write, we are also big K-drama fans. Admittedly, Ayani is more of an anime nerd and Corinne has really dragged her into K-drama land. We both really enjoy your hot takes on our feed and are delighted to see your call for input on whether or not Mr. Cream was a romance since we've recently finished watching it ourselves and have a lot of feelings. We think that it's a romance that doesn't want to admit it's a romance, which is why it made the two neat ending so unsettling for us. We found the romance plot line between Jang Bang Wan in So Young's body and Chol Jong completely convincing. It's pretty clear as well that So Young was in love with Chol Jong before Bang Wan took over her body, so romance is at play in that relationship as well. What's less clear is how present and aware So Young is throughout much of the narrative. How much say does she have in what has become of her life and her supposed happy ending? How much does So Young's consent matter to whether or not the drama is a romance? It's messy as well when Bang Wan goes back to the present and Chol Jong is left unaware that the person personality he fell in love with isn't there anymore. Still, the author's intentions matter less than the effect, and we are definitely invested in the romance of Bang Huan, So Young, and Chol Jung. So our verdict, a romance, although a very layered one, and not one with an altogether happy ending. Admittedly, we are both already invested in the actors themselves from seeing them in other things, and that may have shaped our experience of their characters while watching this drama. Those That's thoughts fair. are amazing. Right? That's so much of what I felt watching it. So I love that. Yeah, that's a really good insight because I, I agree. It's it's very complicated, which is why it's very fun. To, I, I do really enjoy talking about it. Like this was this is fun to debate to me. I feel like it's like a romance nerd's dream is to like debate the love story because it was complicated and it was layered. I think so, too. And I think that there's like tidbits you can pull out 
from both sides to like back it up. And I think that that's kind of cool, though, because I do think a lot of people got I mean, I got different things. I still got a lot out of the drama that I really, really loved. I mean, it's just that I connected more with the whole unrequited love story of Sad Cousin. Like that is what I connected with. And I well, just let's keep it. going oh, so we can get yeah. there. I was gonna say, we're all we're not in woo stands here. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's time for our favorite part of the show. And that's where we make our K recommendation of the week. And right now we are up with K merch from Amy. So my recommendation this week is an artist, an illustrator, Christine Chang, who has an Etsy shop. Or you can simply go to Christine C's Art. So Christine C's Art.com. It's not a K merch shop, but an art shop. However, she does have a beautiful portrait of Captain Ree from Crash Landing on You that Megan sent to me and Leah after we started the podcast. And it's one of my most favorite possessions now. And it's not just any portrait of Captain Ree. It's Captain Ree after crawling for 12 to 20 hours, because we're not exactly sure how long, through the tunnel from North Korea to South Korea to protect Suri from Cholgang. And it's now one of my most prized possessions. So... If you want post-tunnel Captain Reed to stare back at you from an 8x10 frame, <laughs> head on over to Christine Chang's shop on Etsy or ChristineSeesArt.com. And thank you, Megan. That was a lovely gift. You're welcome. Thank you. I, well, I, I bought one for myself. So <laughs> <laughs> Staring at us all. And now we get to the ensemble cast of Mr. Queen, which was amazing. So first up, Court Lady Choi goes to the bamboo forest to scream and relieve her stress. This felt highly relatable. What do you do to blow off stress? First of all, this is one of my favorite things that happens in the drama, especially when the head cook and Court Lady Choi end up there together, both screaming, you know, mama. So blowing off stress for me, I don't get to scream very much. But I would say 100% for me, blowing off stress is watching K-drama. Like that is that is why I'm here. And then maybe sometimes a little VR gaming because apparently I'm a 40-something trapped in the body of a 12-year-old. <laughs> so maybe a tiny bit of a body swap going on here too. <laughs> Yeah, so this reminded me of the scene in Garden State where they yell down into the infinite abyss. I don't know if any of yes, you have seen it. Yes, I love it. that. Yeah, I love that scene so much. And I, th- I think about that scene all the time, you know, just letting it all out into this bottomless pit. And so I felt Lady Choi so much in that scene. I mean, I do yell to relieve stress, but mostly like I swear a lot. I swear like a sailor. And I do need all the listeners to understand how much I censor myself <laughs> to be <laughs> acceptable on this podcast because normally I have a very filthy mouth. So this is Western, like a Western term, but I like the upstairs downstairs aspect to the drama of like, you know, we see like the nobility, but we also see a lot of like the common folk who are kind of like helping everything run. So poor old court lady Choi, she was awesome. And I thought this actress was really fun and crash landing on you. And so it was fun again to see her in this role with more to work with. For me, blowing off stress is probably a mix of calling my sisters to bitch and complain and maybe like some X-rated activities that aren't fit for this podcast sharing because my kids like to listen to it as well (laughs) so and then also i just loved the court lady's arc from like at the beginning when she's like i don't even remember how to laugh that was so funny oh my gosh i forgot that line that was amazing (laughs) and then at the end like she's like getting it with the head chef and like launching grenades over the palace walls so like (laughs) she was living her best life by the end okay so which side romance if any were you rooting for the most 
do me and Byung and count as a side <laughs> romance, please. He was my favorite. And while he had a noble end, I do wish he could have had a happy ending with yours truly. But also I adored, like Leah just said, Court Lady Choi and the head cook. I hope they had a wonderful, lovely future together, screaming mama into the forest. Yeah, I think I made it clear the sad cousin was mine. <laughs> Oh, God, I loved him so much. Every scene he was in, oh, just loved him. Anyway, I actually really rooted for Hua Jin and Prince Yongpyang. See, I kind of agree with the listener who said that she thought Hua Jin was treated pretty poorly because, I mean, I thought so too. Like, they were the ones who brought her into the palace. <laughs> like, you know, the king's like, come support me. Mm. And so she did. And mm. then he like cast her aside. And I, I did feel bad. And I, I actually loved Hua Jin. I thought her character was super fascinating and I feel like I could talk about her and like her arc a lot because I do think she had one. But every time Prince Yongpyang looked at her, he looked like he was going to cry. Like every time he looked at her, like like seriously, just like watery eyes with this like longing and it just broke my heart. So I was rooting for him and his whole bird hat just to, to get his love. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> dying over the Prince Yongpyong hat. Like, it really was like he had, it wasn't a feather. He had half a parrot. <laughs> so, I don't know if either of you have read the children's book, Little Red Hen. I like to use this analogy in my household all the time. And it's where the little red hen, no one helps her pick the wheat, grind it, bake it, but they all want to eat it. So, I feel like this is the two of you taking a shit on the Mr. Queen romance, but then wanting to take a bite out of Sad Cousin. <laughs> So I'm sorry, Byung-in is mine. I earned him and that's it. No more questions. <laughs> okay, I actually do agree you you earned him. I actually, I will, give, I will give that up. But so romance aside, we can all agree that this was a really fun cast. So what was your favorite funny moment in the show and why did it stand out to you? In general, Shin Hai Sun was phenomenal at playing a dude bro trapped in a woman's body. Like everything from the man spread to the belching, like I 100% bought it. But the first thing that made me laugh out loud, which really set the tone of the drama for me, was in the first episode when Bong Hwan, played by Choi Jin Hyuk, was literally plummeting to his death after falling over his building's balcony. And as he passes a beautiful woman on another balcony on the way down, he freaking flirts with her <laughs> as like the ground comes up to greet him, or in this case, it was flashing into a pool but still hitting the bottom of the pool hard and that like i freaking loved that loved that he flirted with her and then the icing on the cake for me was that was the first drama that i'd ever seen Choi jin hook in and then after that i went and watched airs and saw him as like this total emo rich boy and i just it made me love him even more how he pulled off that total like player dude bro in mr queen so yeah i mean i loved chin hai sun who played bong won in so young's body i adored like her man spreading and her running like every time she would hike up her skirts and just like freaking take off and all the like little palace people had to follow her so i think my favorite scene was when she was dancing in the rain i love that scene because they would cut to like her perspective and she's like totally like twerking it you know what i mean and she's like really like the music is like funny and then they switch to like the perspective of the king watching her and it's like Oh, like, you know, like angel music. So I actually don't know if you guys know this, but on set, they were playing the black pink song. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Doo -doo -doo -doo. And I don't know in that song, there's a part where they go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So in Mr. Queen, she's like doing it. She goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But that's why, because that's what that's the song they were playing for her to dance to. Yeah, I totally loved her twerking in the rain to black pink and doing like the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I felt like at that point, like we're like, who is who in this point? Like, to me, this really felt like a time that it was like, 
Bongwan at the moment, like 100% Bongwan there. And I just love that, like, it's raining and, like, this is his big chance. Like, the lake's going to hopefully get full so he can, like, drown himself or whatever to get back home. And so he's just, like, so stoked it's raining. And he, like, looks up at the sky and is like, be enraged at my pelvic movements, essentially, is, like, the <laughs> translation. And then the king comes and is, like, trying to apologize for, like, being a dick. And Bongwan is just, like, you know, like, stop being, dude, like, stop being so clingy. And, like, the king's like, but I'm trying to apologize to you. And he's like, ugh, like, I hate cheesy. Like, you're being so cheesy right now. And then the king gives, like, what starts to walk away, backtracks, and, like, hands over his umbrella to, like, try to be all, like, whatever, smooth. But it's like, you know, you really did hurt my feelings. So tonight you're going to have to sleep alone. And Bong Wan just starts dancing even more. Like, this is the best news I ever heard. And then it's a cutaway as he's, like, the king's walking away and basically the king has this like little smile like what he did was just super smooth like with that like cut and like the like the umbrella and was like that was really natural and i just felt like kim jong hyun like we haven't really touched on the fact that like he really plays the king just like a goober virgin and i loved it i really loved how he did that i thought he was fun in crash landing on you but in this, I thought he was honestly just hilarious. Like, he's a bit more of a straight character against Shin Hai Sun some of the times, but sometimes not. Like, that whole scene where he's getting painted and does all the faces, and, like, you see that at the end is, like, what's encapsulated in the book. <laughs> like, he's funny. He's a funny guy. I loved him a lot better in Crash Landing on You. I just need to say that. <laughs> but, but so funny. See, I loved him much more in this. He really what? won me over. All right. So... Taking a trip to Cougar Town, there's a new thirst trap in K Drama Landia. <laughs> Overall thoughts on Na In Woo, certified scene stealer, yes or no? Like, absolutely. He needs to be in every drama ever as a leading man. Give him, like, all the HEAs. I just felt like he was so expressive. Like, they did give him a lot to work with. Like, I will say, like, I would argue he had one of the best arcs in all the characters because he went through, like, a whole emotional journey, this guy. I mean, he's everything, like, I want in a character. Like, he was selfish at times, but then at other times he was completely selfless and... I adored him. So give him all the leading roles now, please. And something contemporary, please. Just like one. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I was just going to say, like, our little baby Bay here. I mean, he's 26. And man, he brings it like a man. Oh, my God. Um, I thought he was like 35. Because, <laughs> not, no, not because of how he looks, but yeah, because the maturity. Oh, the maturity, my- the maturity and like the nuance and the emotional depth and layering. Like, holy crap. Crap. So yep. he's been brought in to replace Jisoo following Jisoo scandals in the period drama River Where the Moon Rises. And he was brought in to kind of like close out that drama. But now I'm seeing that they're going to reshoot the first six episodes. Yep. So it's going to be all not in Woo. So I'm just wondering, can I tempt you all on another historical to see not in Woo get it during the Goryeo dynasty? Maybe. I don't know. I saw people saying that they don't think it has a HEA. So we'll have to see. I think we'll I will. I'm going to. I mean, I would honestly just watch him sitting there like scratching his nose <laughs> right <laughs> and also kong ha Newell, who is like my other new bae from when the camellia blooms plays his dad i think so that's like a what? mind, it? A mind uh, oh, okay <laughs> so now i'm now i'm a little bit more intrigued okay we'll have to see and for me like a hundred times yes he was certified scene stealer i loved that beautiful emotionally tortured man i think i texted you guys like when i was like one episode in and i was like who is this cousin dude like i am all in on the cousin dude and then i looked him up and saw that he was 26 and i was like oh man i'm like i can't even be nuno like we're gonna have to change this (laughs) podcast to like after ajuma delight (laughs) And 
like the thing is too that like got me was that like yeah i looked him up being like who is this guy and then like the picture she's like this like sweet like little adorable like child in all the photos like (laughs) signing and i'm like but but on the show you're not like god help me i'm gonna go to jail (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of our beautiful nine woo was byung in a villain yes or no did his death impact you or were you meh i love i love the accusation of the meh here (laughs) (laughs) no i wasn't it's just like i that was not you are looking now for loaded things there's no there's no loaded anymore i knew we were united in our love for byung in I feel like this is hard for me to answer because he was absolutely the hero of his own story. Like he thought everything he was doing was right. And he was motivated by his love for so young. I also think he was motivated by doing the right thing for the palace and the kingdom. And he got misguided along the way, but I fully believe like his intentions were, I never felt like he was like super vindictive. I mean, he always cared about the queen. Oh gosh. And his death, his death actually like really killed me. I just love the idea. I love that scene. Again, I mentioned outside the palace where he's like, take my hand. And she's like, no, I'm going to rescue my king. Like go home, weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) She's so sensitive. She's so like, (laughs) or they, I should say they are so sensitive. Yeah, I know. And that was so hard for me because when, when he didn't have her memories and he couldn't understand why Byung-in was treating him the way he, that was so heartbreaking for me because Byung-in like knew they had this like history and he was speaking to someone who who he thought knew everything he did and they they didn't oh that was so hard but anyway so then at the end where you know she's about to like i don't know fall off a cliff or whatever and he's like i believe you take my hand like i'm your i'm your chance now to live and uh, i just love that juxtaposition where she wouldn't take his hand but then but then she did and yeah he did believe her when she said who she was so i you know i don't know i just i i loved him i thought he had arguably the best arc of the show better than even bong Wan. there Boom, mic drop. So yeah, I think that Sad Cousin, Byung In, Hot Bay of 2020, 2021, was totally a villain and was totally problematic. And I want to have his sad, evil little babies. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think he was actually evil. And like Megan said, like all good villains, he was the hero to his own story. I think one of the interesting things was that his heroic story was actually at absolute odds with the true hero of the story who was like the king going through like his journey. And so I think Byung In was a really good manipulator and he lets himself make lots of compromises and poor choices because he's convinced that he knows what the queen actually wants. But do I think that he loved so young? Like a thousand percent. And that he hated the king because he knew that the king somehow had hurt the woman that he loved. And in the end, I thought it was really interesting that he's the first person who actually really does believe that like So Young is Bong So or whatever, you know, like the hybrid. And then when he died, I felt like it was actually Bong So who wept for Byung In's death. Like I think So Young did because he was her true friend. I think we can debate if there were feelings there or not. I'm not so sure that there were on her side, but obviously he was like very important to her. And then Bong Juan, to me, I felt like this was a point where he was starting to understand like the true meaning and feeling of like what real love is too. And I feel like he recognized that in Byung In's act of sacrifice and like dying for them. 
And yeah, I freaking sobbed when he died. Like I was like horking, ugly, snot, sobs. It was just one of those big, horribly satisfying K-drama cries. And then later this got really complicated because they find him on his knees and then he's like a hot corpse. And I was just like, oh my God, he's dead. He's a corpse. Like there's like frostbite crap growing on his (laughs) cheek, but he's like not in woo. Like he's just a beautiful man. Like, oh God, I love him so much. I agree with what you're both saying. Like, complicated, yes. Emotionally wounded, yes. I didn't see him as a villain because of, like, what you're saying, Megan, that he saw himself as the hero of his own story, and he made his decisions based on thinking what he was doing was best for So Young. And it was based on his love for So Young. So yes, for a while, he did get misguided due to jealousy and due to suspecting that So Young maybe wasn't his So Young. But in the end, he believed who she was, and he gave his life to save her, and I did shed many tears for him. And he really was the hook of the drama for me. Like his story, I was all in for and very emotionally invested. When I did text in the beginning talking about how gorgeous I thought this man, this baby man was. And Leah's like, I know he's Eponine. And if you're a Les Mis fan like I am, I was like, oh, fuck, he dies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I kind of knew he died too, just because they were setting that up from the very beginning. Well, but his show, yeah, it very much is. Yeah, no, he couldn't, he couldn't be with her. And so it was, there was no happy ending yeah. for him. There's Cosette, who is right. told drunk, and then there's Eponine, who's there. Like, I know. On and, uh, my own, getting stabbed in the forest. Oh, but and, I, I and loved him. I know, I did. And sorry for my, my F-bomb drop there again. I, too, have a filthy mouth when not on this podcast, and I think that knowing going in that this beautiful baby man was going to die deserved an F-bomb, so. He wore a hat, too. Like, nobody's worn a hat. Nobody should ever wear another hat, basically. Like, I just, I can't. Like, like, Hats are canceled. Hats are canceled. I (laughs) am here or not. To a degree, like, I was just watching for him. Absolutely, by the end, I was watching for him. So when he died, I was like, well... great see i really for me now i love the main couple but he was just like this Ugh. like i mean i think we've thirsted out and cougared all over we have we need to rein it in i know (laughs) rein it in (laughs) ice water on us but you know what like slow clap to like his parents and ancestors like that's a gene pool (laughs) (laughs) ancestors and and like honestly though the the talent of all the emotions he was able yes. to show in his eyes like like a lot of times his his facial expression like would not change because mm-hmm. he's like supposed to be this like tough i don't know palace guy fighter <laughs> so, so i think i think when this when this episode drops if you check our instagram it's probably going to be rows and rows of just not in real yeah. pictures <laughs> yeah i think that like then this is the thing is like you know having done romance and i think we've touched on this before like we're surrounded by like you know a lot of the advertising is like eye candy it's a lot of like what but i mean yeah so it's like not just that somebody's good looking it's that he had that like x factor that we've talked about other things where yeah he is like bringing so much yes stuff and like you said just like his eyes where his face is like a mask but his eyes are emoting these layers that you're like what on earth like right like that is talent and and that and that is why i yeah another actor could have actually played that super stiff and even like i think i thought the actor who was prince young pyong played his a little bit more one note although of course he didn't have like as great of a a script Mm -hmm. but i still felt like he just kind of just always looked like he was gonna cry whereas i feel like not and we almost had like different levels of watery eyes (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like 
Like his eyes could be watery, but he was like angry or his eyes could be watery, but he was sad. And we could like tell a difference. Like I just, I love him. I love him. Put him in everything. Put him in everything. So why don't we move on to some romance book recs and recommend a favorite historical romance, which I actually had one. So I was excited about that. (laughs) I'm actually recommending more of like this author's catalog. So Catherine Levesque writes medieval romances. And I'm talking like I searched her name on my Kindle and I have... 25 of her books she writes very addicting books like i feel like once you read one of her books you just want to kind of keep reading more of them she always writes these like really kind of like alpha protective knights by knights i mean like k-n-i-g-h-t-s sorry if that's because they're medieval do i need to say that why why would how would they be alpha protective night times like i have no idea what's happening Anyway, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage, are you here? <laughs> this is Nicholas Cage doing the book rec right now. <laughs> anyway, so she writes for like alpha protective knights who, you Can know, I? have like super rep- they have like repressed emotions and all that good stuff, but then they fall really hard for their heroines and her heroines are always really interesting. Like a lot of them are very strong or and I think they're nuanced. So anyway, I picked one of my favorites, which was the Dark Lord. This hero definitely starts out as like an anti-hero who invades the heroine's castle and intends to like kill everyone. And I mean, he's an invader, so he's going to kill everyone and take her hostage. But he ends up falling for her because she's this, you know, Irish spitfire. And it's just really fantastic. His name is Ajax, which I mean, is that even a knight's name? I don't care. I don't I'm care. into it. I'm into it. It was fantastic. So anyway, I think her whole catalog is really awesome. So and it's funny, too, because when I started reading her, she was self-published. And then I was in the grocery store the other day and there was her book on a little spinny thing. I was like, way to go, Catherine. I don't know you, but good for you. Ajax the Knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm into it. That sounds good. I'm going to look it up. All her books are, I, I just, I just like them. Yeah, I think they're I like medieval. So I went with The Spy Master's Lady by Joanna Bourne. And everything she writes, I think, is quite good. But the Spy Master's series is particularly lovely. So The Spy Master's Lady is a Napoleonic era spy romance with a female French spy and an English spy leader. And the book starts out with them both in a basement prison where, you know, shit's going down and it's every person for themselves. So they end up escaping together and set off on this adventure that really just is like this great meshing of external and internal conflict, like the kind that we all aspire to write. And Joanna Bourne, I really think is just a gorgeous writer. I don't think her historicals are distancing. They're just really like lush and words are all well chosen. And it's just like always a pleasure to read them. I like, again, the entire series. But this one I really like because the hero is just like this big lug. There's a sex scene. I'm just going there. There's a sex scene in this that, you know, like, I'm not like I'm not reading romance for like the dirt, like the getting it on, honestly. But like, you know, I appreciate it sometimes when people bring something like new to the table. And this one, I felt like it was a really good emo. Like I always, you know, they're always better with like good emotion. And then this one, they're like in a bathtub together. And like, they haven't gone there yet. And basically, like, she's psyching herself up to like, do it. And, you know, he's ready to go. And she basically makes the decision like, fine, okay, like, I'm getting this over with, like, I've never done this before, I gotta go. And she just like, hops on and impales herself. <laughs> and like, you know, like, holy, shit, like, you can't just do that to somebody. Whoa. And I just remember it being like, reading it being like, that's awesome. Like, she's just like, okay, okay. All right, I'm in. And then just is like, pow. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So there you go. Our rating for this show. It is The Spy Master's Lady by Joanna Bourne. And I am going to recommend The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee. And because it's been a couple years since I read this, I'm going to read the blurb also because I can't do the book justice like the blurb can. I really love the blurb for this. And this is actually uh, considered a YA book, but it doesn't feel very YA to me. It, and also it's not distancing, like very tongue in cheek, very funny. And there's it's Georgian era England, I would say, because it's the 1700s. So Henry Monty Montague was born and bred to be a gentleman, but he was never one to be tamed. The finest boarding schools in England and the constant disapproval of his father haven't been able to curb any of his roguish passions, not for gambling halls, late nights spent with a bottle of spirits, or waking up in the arms of women or men. But as Monty embarks on his grand tour of Europe, his quest for a life filled with pleasure and vice is in danger of coming to an end. Not only does his father expect him to take over the family's estate upon his return, but Monty is also nursing an impossible crush on his best friend and traveling companion, Percy. Still, it isn't in Monty's nature to give up. Even with his younger sister Felicity in tow, he vows to make this year-long escapade one last hedonistic hurrah and flirt with Percy from Paris to Rome. But when one of Monty's reckless decisions turns their trip abroad into a harrowing manhunt that spans across Europe, it calls into question everything he knows, including his relationship with the boy he adores. So that is The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. I adore this book and the one that comes after, which is The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy, and highly recommend by Mackenzie Lee. I love those books. Megan, you would like those books, I feel. Yeah, they were and so I was good. Say, that blurb is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm saying, like, I could not do the blurb justice, yeah. so I was like, I'm just going to read it. That's a great blurb. Very like boisey, too. A historical, but it's got, like, a very contemporary flair, too. It's just set yes. in, like, you know, historical times, so it feels very contemporary in a Absolutely. good way. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So what are we all watching? Well, I finished Uncontrollably Fond last week, and I took one for the team here. I'm not going to make anybody else watch this one. And it's not because it was a terrible drama, but it was because it was a drama that left me bereft like somebody in my life had actually died. And I think I brought it up last week when I was watching it that in this drama, Kim Woo Bin has terminal brain cancer, and you know that in the first episode. So I went through all the episodes knowing that it was not going to end well, and even bracing myself for it, preparing myself for it. I was absolutely wrecked. So I needed something to get me out of my bereavement. And I am now watching My Love from the Star, which I think I had mentioned I was going to be starting on that one last week as well. That is Kim Soo Hyun as an alien who's been stuck on Earth for 400 years and is finally going to be ready to go home. I talked about this on the snack, um, but I'm now like 13 episodes in and I absolutely love it. It's so much fun. Very different from watching somebody slowly die of cancer while they're trying to get the woman they love to love them back. And I don't know where this is going to go. It's a lot going on. There is the romance between the two leads. There is a second male lead that I absolutely adore. There is a jealous best friend. There is a murder investigation going on with a very evil villain. On top of the fact that the male lead is going to be returning back to his planet after 400 years in a matter of weeks. And as he's getting closer to his departure date, his powers that he has on Earth, because he's kind of like Superman, his powers that he has on Earth are starting to fade and he's getting sick and getting into trouble. One thing that you do find out in the very first episode is that he cannot mix his saliva or blood with human saliva or blood. That is literally his kryptonite. So kissing the heroine, like, 
puts him in bed for days with the flu. So very like interesting sort of twist. And I don't know how this is going to all pan out. And I'm thoroughly enjoying That's My Love from the Star. I am double fisting run on and My Love from the Star. Both are going to be upcoming episodes. So just trying to like get a jump on those. I'm not too far into either. So I don't have a lot to say. Although I really did appreciate the opening of My Love from the Star, which is Joseon era historical with a humongous silver flying saucer coming down. Like literally a flying saucer. (laughs) So. So, you know, hopefully that'll get you excited, Megan, because it was yeah. like kind of like out of left field. And it was definitely like what my like kindergartner would draw to be like, this is a UFO. <laughs> like it yes. was very much like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of like, you know, I, it was meat and potatoes UFO. <laughs> and I really like that they all aliens all dress in black. And they also like to for reasons, you know, I guess why not? They kind of like they can bend elements enough that they can like walk and then like do slow flips in the air while they're walking kind of like what healer would do in running but kind of much slower and for no (laughs) discernible reason other than like check us out so (laughs) but i have to say that what i've been waiting for and i'm so hoping it doesn't let me down because i've been waiting and waiting and waiting has been to watch the korean movie antique or antique bakery which we're going to be doing the snack on so watching that this week and i've been waiting for months and i could not be more excited so i finished in a one class and i had some issues mainly involving the romance and it was funny because i talked to a friend on twitter and i agreed with her because she said well the romance it's not a it's not a romance it's like a david and goliath story and i totally agree it is but the romance so essentially it's kind of like a love triangle like there's two women who both like the male lead played by park seo june who did amazing by the way like all the actors like the actors didn't let me down the writing did but i think my biggest problem was that the two women in his life sacrificed a lot repeatedly and it was their choice but they sacrificed repeatedly so that the man could keep his principles so the male lead could keep his principles and like he never really had to sacrifice and one of the reasons he was so successful in the david and goliath story was because of the female lead like she kind of did everything and i don't know so it just kind of soured me and i never felt like the romance actually was fair on both sides i just felt like she kind of did everything for him and in the end i expected him to have this like really awesome speech about how much she did for him and instead it was her again saying all the reasons she loved him and then he's just like serenge <laughs> yes, i was like i'm so hoping you would do it because i love your serenge <laughs> like, and i was i literally serenge. was staring at the screen like that's all you have to say you dick bag <laughs> that's it i love that so much that's so horrible it's literally what happens guys so anyway i'm (sighs) is there emotion behind it or is he kind of like i mean yeah because park seo june did yeah yeah, okay park seo june did an amazing job yeah but his character was very like stiff not really great socially like that was the point of his character so he did a really good job and there was emotion in this Serenge, but that's like all the words they gave him to say. Yeah. So he did as much as he could with one <laughs> word, you know? Anyway, so I started because I was like, I need, I need to see Park Seo Jun in something where like he has more chemistry too with because i didn't feel like he had chemistry with either of these two women so i started watching fight for my way and it is everything like i'm really really obsessed with it i think it's really fantastic i love the heroine so much 
she's very brazen and one thing i love about it is like in fight for my way he's like a fighter like he, he did taekwondo and now he's training to do ufc and so he's i mean he's like a little a literal fighter with who who has like great skills but he doesn't always stand up to people like in his personal life he's just he's a he's good at fighting but he's not necessarily like he's not like an angry guy he doesn't actually want to hurt people but so anytime someone either hurts him or says something rude to him she is like right there she is like right there she and she even says she's like he might not bite but i'll bite and i'll bite hard and i just love it what i love most about it is he just stands behind her and he's like all proud like you know what i mean and it's again it's like her choice like I, I love it because it's he's not like asking her to do it it's just she's like no like this is this is my man and i'm gonna stick up for him and he doesn't like he doesn't feel emasculated ever he's just like yeah that's my woman isn't she awesome what and episode I'm, are you on megan don't don't, add, don't. <laughs> what episode are you on 12 what didn't you the start actual <laughs> i'm on 13 of my love from the start and i started it last week <laughs> you watched Idaho on class since last week and yeah. are on 12 a fight for my way i know i know it's my other than swearing it's my stress relief and things have been very stressful here with my husband with a hole in his foot anyway it's really it's a really great drama i i don't know if we'll do a deep dive on it maybe because i think you guys would really like it eventually but we have time so we'll see if we put it on the schedule but i don't know what i'm gonna watch after that but it's really good that's all i gotta say park seo june is hot as hell and the right she doesn't know she doesn't know what she's gonna watch after this one but next week she'll tell you because she'll have finished yeah. two more dramas well so. this is what i said about about it one class too i was like you have park seo june which first of all he's he's 34 and the drama's trying to tell me that he's never had he's never been kissed a whole man walking around like park seo june he's never been kissed okay whatever well that's secretary kim he can't be touched another so. can't be touched one oh it's like i'm not a robot anyway he looks like that and like he wears like big puffy coats the whole the whole the whole drama and i'm like God, i can't even get a forearm he gets, he gets it off in um and, secretary kim and you know what oh, if you're loving him and you watch what a drama a day is <laughs> like I know. I know throw throw she was pretty in and you can tell me if i'm alone in my hatred of it <laughs> Well, in well, I was in fight for my way. He's a UFC fighter. He takes off his shirt all the time, and I love it. I love it too because the first time he fights, he's like, "Wait, do I have to take off my shirt?" There's like, there's like a lot of women here. It's just so funny. He's just such like a mush. I love him. Well, I know we have to wrap it, but I will say I think this came up in maybe the snack pod, but like very distracting to me is the fact that in my love from the star, the hero showers with a waist to knee white fluffy towel. Yep. <laughs> soaking towel <laughs> and i just cannot i cannot like i'm like can you not just cut up like why don't you right. zoom in right like cut the shot it doesn't need to be the full body shot. yeah like you're clearly trying to show like the water in his abs but like oh like put the little hand over the mouth like we don't want to go below. nobody showers <laughs> with a goddamn towel no, he's like soaping himself up i'm like what on what on this earth like <laughs> I, can, I, I don't care what planet you're from. Yeah. Nobody does that. I started my <laughs> script notes for the show because we're going to do a deep dive on it. And I, that was like my first one was like WTF with the towel. So, and you know well, what? We haven't talked about Intern and Moogie this episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just there. That's it. There. Next week, we're going to be doing her private life with Parkman yeah. Young and Kim J. Wood. And so. I have to say, so Leah was kind of the odd one out this pod, this podcast. I'm going to be the odd one out. 
the wrong her one. Private life. The yes, wrong one. I, apparently I'm the wrong one. So I'm excited to talk about that because I have a lot of thoughts. Okay? Megan's really good at being wrong. So well, yeah, we'll talk <laughs> about that next week. But I'm very <laughs> excited. I'm really hoping we're united in our love to see Kim J. Wook rocking it as the slinky pastry chef. In oh, I'm NC so excited bakery. Yeah. I'm 100% excited about that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong!